The following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Give it up for him. Come on, give it up for him. He's the only one worthy. That's right, the only one. Yes, sir. Woo! Feels good, doesn't it? Feels good. Everything is just rosy. It's a beautiful day. It's May. Hallelujah. Allergies are here. Been fighting them all week. Bless his holy name. (laughs) Used to be a little old lady. Used to testify in our local church back home. She said, the devil's been after me all week. Bless his holy name. I didn't know the devil had a holy name, but... We quit testimony service back in those days. We did. We didn't have any more after that. Good to see everybody. I, uh, I'm excited. Now, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I've got to tell you the truth. I'll be honest. I, I, I hate to follow last week's speaker. She was a bomb. And she's my bomb. Wow, did she do good. And I've petted her all week long. Man. I bought her a new watch. I gave her some spending money to buy some more clothes and buy another Bible. <laughs> I told her, I said, you're going to have to start speaking about 18 times a year. And uh, she said, no, that won't be happening. So, you know, she rules, and so that's the way it is. I'm the man of the house. Where is she? Where is she? Where is she? I love all of you folks. And uh, today we're, we're honoring babies. We're going to dedicate some babies and... Uh, we want, to, we want to give honor to John Garza today. He had, he had a pretty tough uh, stomach surgery up at uh, VA Hospital in Temple, and he is on the mend. Also, uh, Steve Cagle was in the house today, had a pretty bad back surgery, and he's on the mend, and he was in the house, and uh, he's so excited because the doctor made him an inch and a half, about an inch, inch and a half taller, and he put those spacers between his vertebrae, so he feels like he's a giant now, and Got to watch him when he gets over that heel back. He probably won't run, race everybody. What a joy to see you today. Would you stand? You're on, your honest people and great people and honorable people, and I love you. And I thank you for not stealing out of the offering when it came by. <laughs> That's an honor. Amen. I had a young man one time went to another church, and uh, I told him, anywhere you go, you, you represent this church. And so he stole $100 out of the offering plate. And uh, I got a call on it, so I went and told him. He said, well, I need it real bad, Pastor. And said it was just shining at me, and I just had to take it. So we had to pay it back. So thank you for being the honest people that you are that don't take out of the offering plate. Hey, folks, we're, we're moving forward in our building. We've, uh, we've acquired an architect, and we're excited about that. And he's already starting to work for us. And some engineering companies are coming around, and we are moving forward. We're not standing still. We're moving forward. Thank you for all your support for the building fund. The one, the one uh, campaign is going to be an awesome campaign, and we're excited because you're excited that we're building something great for the kingdom of God. The next two weeks, I'm going to do a little, a little series called I Love Grace. I Love Grace. Now, my son-in-law put a little heart up there because that's one of those things in New York. I heart New York. But I really do heart grace. I love grace. Without grace, we wouldn't be here today. The grace of God is what makes us who we are today. Aren't you glad you found it or it found you? Aren't you glad for that? Amen. I'm going to talk a little bit. And uh, to all the people watching 
via Facebook. We welcome you to our message today. And when we get through preaching today, we're going to dedicate some children. We're excited about that. Ephesians chapter 2 remains standing. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up together and made us set together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Everybody say, by grace grace. I have been saved saved. through faith. And not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Titus 2 said, the grace of God. That brings salvation hath appeared to all men, all men, all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we shall live soberly, righteously, godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Romans 5, a lot of scripture, sorry. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. There used to be a player in the, in, the, in the National Basketball Association named Muggsy Bogues. He was five feet, three inches tall. I saw him one day go against Akeem Olajuwon, who was 6'11". It was a true mutton jail. Sometimes sin wants you to think that it's abounding big. But when sin abounds as high as it can bound, grace just blocks every shot. Because there's something about grace that's greater than all of our sins. Let's cheer for grace today before we're seated. God bless you. I love you. You may be seated. I'll be like Henry VIII told his fifth wife. I won't hold you long, I promise. I want to answer two principal questions today. Two. Number one, does grace really have a plan or is it just something that we feel and know it's like an ocean? Or does grace have a plan for our lives? Number two, is that grace sufficient? That's two questions that I think we all need to look at. Does grace have a plan for my life? Has God got a plan laid out for my life? And is that plan sufficient for my life? Grace is a terribly misunderstood word, folks. Defining it would be very difficult. It's kind of like The old preacher I heard preach one time years ago describing the anointing of God upon a preacher as he ministers. He said, I don't know what the anointing is, but I sure do do know when it ain't. And I don't like to preach when the anointing is not there. Someone has proposed an acronym, grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. But I love these three words, God's unmerited favor. Tozer said, grace is the good pleasure of God that inclines him to bestow benefits on the undeserving. The key word that I want us to think about today in all of our minds is the word unmerited. It is a not, it's not deserved. It's unmerited. It's undeserved. It's unmatched. Yet it is a free gift. If I could just kind of share you a little, a little story, just a little story form Just a little synopsis of something that might have happened the day that a casket went through a gate at Nain. And a young boy was laid in that casket and his mother, who was a widow, was falling behind and 
He was her only son and her sole support of the family. And the mourners are interrupted by a man on their way to the graveyard. They're interrupted by a man. And he says, here, I want to make a deal. Let me deal with the dead, and I think I can raise him back up. And he sits down, and he talks to the young man in the casket, and he said, all you need is education. You need philosophy. You need, you need arithmetic. You need science. He attempts to teach the young man in the coffin, but when he gets through, the flush in the young man's face is not back, and education has to walk away. It's failed. Another man approaches. Conflict proclaiming that he can bring the young man back to life. And he begins, now young man, make up your mind that you are going to live. Exert your will right now. Choose to live. The choice is yours. You can get up if you only want. The young man didn't get up because he was dead. Free choice and willpower failed. Third man came. He held a Torah under his arm and he said, my friends, you do not know that this man needs is religion. Through the knowledge of the Torah, he'll be revived. And he sat down and started reading the Torah to the young man. And the more he read, the more dead the young man seemed to be. Religion failed. The rabbi walked away. And then from the crowd steps the figure of one. One. A lone Nazarene. A man from Nazareth who walks with perfect confidence and composure to the scene of certain failure. And a sudden hush falls on the expectant throne as he stands for a moment beside that coffin. And then he speaks in a voice that is calm but very authoritative. He says, young man, I say to you, arise. And all of a sudden, the color came back. The eyelids moved. The heart began to beat again. And the young man rose up and was put back in his mother's hand because Jesus imparted life. The Bible said that the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And I will tell you this, only God's grace brings life to people. That's why I love grace. I love grace. Somebody say, I love it. I love, I love grace. God's reach at Christ's expense. How often, folks, do you think about grace? How often do you think about grace? Do you think about it every morning? Do you get up in the morning saying, wow, God, you've been graceful to me. You've been a good God to me. You've shown me favor. It's unmerited favor. You've shown me favor. I believe when, when, when I, years ago, when I made the decision to act, quit asking God to come and bless what I was doing, and I moved under the cloud that God was blessing I believe that I moved into a favor that I'd never known in my life. Now, I've always had the grace of God, but unmerited favor. This church has walked under that cloud for a long time. And I want to tell you something, whether you like this or not, when you walk in the doors of this church, favor is going to be on your team because this house is covered by the grace of God. Amen? This house is covered by the grace of God. But many times, grace is only a concept. It really is. It's an abstract idea that a pastor, perhaps a lecturer, a Bible teacher, uses to explain certain principles from the pulpit. We may understand the conceptual side of grace, but many of us do not know grace. But if you've ever been lost, if you've ever been lost in your way, and you realize that you couldn't get over those drugs, and you couldn't throw away the alcohol, and you couldn't walk away from all the stuff of this world, 
And one day something happened. A light shone on you and the glory of God came around you. And you realized that a change had happened and a 180 had come in your life. And you realized this couldn't happen by me. I can't get educated enough to get there. I can't study the Bible enough to get there. But Jesus walked in the room and gave you something that nothing else could give you. He gave you grace. And by grace today, you still are saved. I love grace. Grace is three things. It's given to God, by God to all. And it never, never must lose our appreciation for it. And it is free. Now, the Bible said the grace of God hath appeared to all men. Grace, folks, is not a New Testament word. It's a Bible word. And there's some people think that because the law was in the Old Testament that grace didn't appear. But grace appears Six chapters into the Bible in Genesis chapter 6. Because there was wickedness in the world. And men's hearts were turned to do evil. And God repented that he had ever made man. And he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, I'm going to just destroy man. I'm going to destroy the beast. I'm going to destroy everything I ever created. I'm sorry I did this. But in verse 8 of that chapter, the Bible said, But Noah found grace. Six chapters in, folks, grace appears in the Bible. Are you with me? And Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, and he was a just man and perfect in his generation. And Noah walked with God. That's verse 9. How did Noah get this righteousness? How did he get this righteousness? I want to tell you how he did. He got it because grace found him. He got it because he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. His righteousness didn't bring that grace. Verse 8 is before verse 9. Don't put 9 before 8. Because the righteousness that he had did not get the grace of God. But the grace of God brought righteousness into his life. I thank you, Lord, for the grace of God that you shared among us. Because our righteousness is as filthy rags. But your righteousness lives and dwells in us. Clap your hands and say, I love grace. I love grace. I love grace. I love grace. Now, God loves us solely because He loves us. He is gracious to us only because He is. It is a gift. A woman was brought to him one day that had been caught in the very act of adultery in John 8. And the men that caught her didn't bring the husband, didn't bring the man, just brought her. But if she was caught in the act, it looked like there should have been a partner there. Maybe it was one of theirs. And he got by and she didn't. And they came and threw her at the feet of Jesus and they said, Lord, we caught her in the very act of adultery and the law says we should stone her. But you know, people that accuse people always talk too much. Because if they'd have hushed right then, Jesus might have had to say, you know, the law did say that. But they asked one more thing. They said, what do you say? And when they gave grace a chance, <laughs> he stooped down and started writing in the dirt. And he looked up and he said, he that's without sin, let him cast the first stone. And he writes again. 
And he looks up and the stones just start throwing down on the ground because they can't handle it. They walk away and he looks up again. He said, woman, where are thine accusers? She says, I have none, Lord. And he said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Now, if you can't get excited about that kind of Savior, then you've you've been listening to the wrong religion. There's a grace giver in the house today. There's a grace giver in the house today. And I love grace. Woo, hallelujah. So grace has a plan. And here's the plan. Here's the plan. Here's the first plan grace ever concocted. Noah, build a boat. What? Lord, it has never built a boat. Lord, I'm 500 miles from the sea. I'm in my front yard. I don't have the qualifications to build a boat. Noah, build a boat. I'm going to destroy this whole world with water. Build a boat. God, people think I'm crazy. They'll think I'm nuts. It's all right. Build a boat. Lord, how big you want this thing to be? Oh, just 300 cubits long. A football field and a half. <laughs> 50 cubits wide, 75 feet wide, 30 cubits high, four and a half stories high. Lord, there's just eight in our family. <laughs> I know that. But I'm not just going to save your family. I'm going to save all the animals. I'm going to save. I'm going to reproduce after this ark comes out of the flood. I'm going to set this world ablaze with a rain like you've never seen before. I'm going to drive every, everything. Everything in this whole world is going to be drenched, and you're going to float for a long time. Now I want to tell you something, folks. I I, I don't I don't know how it works because this man's 500 years old, and I think you know they say dementia and Alzheimer's sits in you know about 80. At 500, they must have been thinking, I don't know what disease he has, but his mind ain't functioning right. He's 500 years old. He gets into a building program, and he's going to build a boat. Grace has a plan. (laughs) And there was people probably went on vacation that brought their camels by. You know, I don't know if they rode camels or or whatever they rode. Whatever they rode back in that day. It was 6,000 years ago. Maybe they walked. They'd come by and say, "You you know what, Noah? We've been on a vacation but we heard that you was building something here. And we want to come by and see it. And when they walked by and saw this thing, they said, my, my, my. He truly is a crazy man. Noah, it has never rained in our life. We don't know what that means to have rain come out of the sky. We don't know what that means. Noah, are you losing it? Well, God told me to do it. Oh, it's one of them God things. Where's the people in the white coats? We need to take him away right now. But grace had a plan. Hallelujah. And, 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 and when Noah started to build this, you know, he, he must have been. Have you ever heard Bill Cosby do the Noah thing? You ever heard Bill Cosby? Noah, what, God? I want you to build an ark. What? I'm not going to do Cosby today. But I've written a little something for you. I want you to, I want you to get this. Noah, build an ark. God, do you really want me to build an ark? Really? Is that what you want? Listen, God, I've been here six months. I've been trying to get things together. And God said, yeah, and the rain's about to come, and you're not even ready. I see wood in the yard. I don't see any ark starting to be built. He said, Lord, i got a problem. First, I had to get a building permit from the city for ark construction, and your plan didn't meet the local fire code. 
So I had to have an engineer redraw the plans, and I'm taking them back next week. Then my neighbor objected, claiming I was violating the zoning by building the ark in my front yard. So I had to get a variance. Oh, I've heard that word before in building. From the city planning commission. We'll have to get some of them variances too. Then I had a big problem getting enough wood from the ark for the ark because there was a ban on cutting trees in order to save some kind of owl. <laughs> and I, I tried to convince the fish and wildlife people that I needed wood to save the owl. I wanted to build a boat, but they wouldn't let me catch any owls. Then the carpenters formed a union, went out on strike, and I had to negotiate with them before anyone would pick up a saw or hammer. And when I started gathering up animals, an animal rights group sued me. <laughs> then the government got involved and wanted to know where I got the money for the lumber. Now I'm trying to resolve the complaint from the EEOC, Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, over how many people I'm supposed to hire. And on top of all that, the IRS has seized all my assets, claiming I'm trying to avoid paying taxes by leaving the country in a boat that I'm building right now. Anybody ever had any of that in your life? Grace never said it was going to be easy. But Grace said build a boat. God have mercy. And when you build that boat, I'm going to put you inside. I'm going to bring all the animals two by two. And when I get you inside, I'm going to shut the door. And baby, we're going to go on a ride together. And I believe with all my heart that I'd rather be in an ark with all the animals and all the stink than to be outside the ark in the storm. It does not matter how bad life gets. As long as I know that I'm covered by the grace of God, I have a plan and God has a plan for me in my life. Glory. I love grace. I love grace. Noah's society was corrupt. Our society is corrupt. You know, he preached for 120 years. And he, no one responded. He and Jeremiah were the only two men in the Bible that never had a convert. Jeremiah never had a convert, the prophet, and Noah never had a convert. And I don't know how long he preached. I don't know how long he built that ark. Some people say he built it for 120 years, but I know he preached that long. But I do know this. He was 500 plus when God called him to build the ark, and he was 600 when he came out of the ark. So it took a little time. But he had found grace, and he trusted the grace giver. Here's the point, folks. Here's the point. When God tells you that grace is good for you, understand, it's not so you can go sin some more. It's so that you can yield yourself to the giver of that grace and walk through this life under the umbrella of the grace of God. Come on, let's clap our hands for grace one more time before I go further. God has a plan. He has a plan. The second little principle I want to preach about is this question. Is God's grace sufficient? Is it sufficient? Is it sufficient? Paul was over there in the book of Corinthians, and you know he was a man that had been Saul and been converted on the road to Damascus, and you know the story. And, and Ananias baptized him, and he sat at the feet of Gamal, and for about three years and studied and then Barnabas took him under his wing and made him, made him go with him because he, somebody had to speak for him because he, he was a church murderer then became a church preacher then a church apostle and then a writer of half the New Testament. But Paul ran into a, a, a situation one day. He ran into this thing called a thorn in the flesh. 
The Bible said it was for an abundance of revelation. He had an abundance of revelation, but he, he ran into this thorn in the flesh, and he asked God three times to remove that thorn from him, and, and God finally said, and I'm going to put it in Johnson vernacular, shut up, Paul, just shut up. Hush your mouth. My grace is sufficient. I'd like to tell you that when I came home from the graveyard of burying my wife and boy and laid down on the bed, God spoke those words to me. And I didn't know they was red letter. But 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 9 is red letter, which means anybody that reads that, it's for you. It's not just for Paul, it's for all of us. When the Lord speaks in red letter, get a hold of it. And that grace has been sufficient in my life. But let me, let, 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 let me just say this. Let me just say this. It's all, I always like to call it the law of first mention. Because how did, how did that grace plan work out in Noah's life? How did it work out? How did it work out? Did it get him where he wanted to go? Do you realize when that storm was over after 40 days and 40 nights and 150 days floating in that water that he landed on probably the highest mountain on all of East Turkey bordering Russia, which was 16,950 feet high? And Noah came to rest on a huge mountain, threw out a raven, and the raven just went on threw out a dove and the dove came back put the dove out the second time the dove came back with an olive branch in his mouth and let him go the third time and the dove this is it never came back here's what i'm trying to tell you that god almighty was with noah through that whole journey 40 days and 40 nights the only thing i've ever worried about on that boat was the woodpecker on the inside i'm sorry it's just a preacher's mind god i hope Hope Noah didn't have to put him in a cage because he was trying to make a hole to the outside. I don't know. Lord, I messed myself up now. <laughs> now, in the 19th century, the 1900s, the 20th century, the first boat ever built on that, that optimum plan that God gave Noah was built again. It was not duplicated until the 1900s. Now you got to get this. And when they built this boat called the Superboat, they built this boat, they built it with the same dimension as Noah's Ark. This is scientific. And they believed that the 30 times 5 times 3 principle is the perfect optimum design for stability in a boat. Noah's was 300 cubits long. Come on. Come on. 50 cubits wide. 30 cubits tall. Divide them all by 10. You got the 30, 5, and 3 design. Before there ever was a ship built in the world, Noah built the one by grace that was of the optimum design. And here's something else I want to tell you about that boat. God's grace is sufficient. The first law of mention. That boat could float on its side and never sink. It had to be turned upside down before it would ever even think about going under. There's a lot of people that say, Pastor, I know I've got the grace of God, but sometimes I find myself laid out. I find myself hurt. I find myself down. You got to get back up. Because the grace of God that is in you, that's a part of your life, is not going to let you go under when God said, I will take you over. My Lord, I want to preach a little bit right now. I want to preach a little bit. Somebody needs to get a hold of this grace and say, by grace I am saved, not of good works, lest any man should boast. I'm saved by the grace of God, and I'm going to believe in the grace of God in my life.
grace is sufficient. There's a, there a college in England called Lancaster College. They did a research, they're, they're, they did some scientific research, and they, they came up with this conclusion. This just happened about four or five years ago. They came up with this conclusion that Noah built a vessel that could hold every animal in the world, two of a kind. There were 35,000 species of animals in Noah's day, times two is 70,000. And the boat that Noah built had already been proved by another group in America that built a replica up in Cincinnati, in an Ohio area, that that boat could hold, could hold over 150,000 animals. So the boat was twice as big as it needed to be. Oh, somebody didn't get that. Somebody said, really? You mean they didn't stretch it? They didn't have to hit, a, hit, hit one of them pull-out things that you put on a camper, them little pull-outs? You didn't have to have a pull-out? No. No pull-outs. No, no pull-outs. They put those animals in that boat, and Noah said, wow, we got enough room in here, Ham, Sham, and Japheth. Let's just go down through here and check all the animals out today because they wasn't standing stacked against each other. They say, scientists have proven that if 569 boxcars went by you in a train, that's how much room was in Noah's ark to put animals. I don't want to sit at a, cross, at a, at a ready railroad crossing and see 569 cars come in front of me unless I know that God's trying to prove to me a point that you need my grace, it's going to be sufficient. You need my help, it's going to be there for you. I'm not overflowing. I'm not full right now. I can do more for you than you ever thought imaginable. Some people need to say, Pastor, I think I'm about running out of the grace of God. I think God's about finished with me. No, no, no. His boat's not even half full. He can touch you. He can heal you. He can help you. Oh, I want to preach right now. He can lift you up. He can bless your life. He can heal your family. He can bring you out of situations because I love grace. Grace works. Grace works. There is nothing like the grace of God. 1,518,750 cubic feet was in that boat. It was sufficient. So what kind of lights did they use, Pastor? Floodlights. Did they play cards on Noah's Ark? No, Noah sat on the deck. That's goofy, isn't it? That's so goofy. Did they do much fishing off of Noah's Ark with just two worms, really? Grace, grace. God's grace. Grace that will pardon Grace that will pardon. Let me tell you something. Next Sunday, I'm going to preach a story that perhaps some of you have never heard that's biblically inspired. I'm going to preach a story about Solomon next Sunday. And I'm going to talk to you about this thing called grace. There's something powerful about grace. I love grace. Grace always has a plan. And grace is always sufficient. There's nothing like the grace of God. Would you clap your hands and rejoice to that right now? Nothing like it. Nothing like it. (laughs) 
I went home years ago after the after my tragedy. I went home and one of my uh, the lady that had helped keep our kids, Misty and Justin, went to the church. And when she walked into the church, there was a man in the church that didn't belong there. And uh, the lady said, but for some reason I felt no fear. In fact, I felt, I felt happy because he was in the church. And he looked at me and he said, Martha, I'm here to tell you something. Rex Johnson will know grace like he's never experienced in his life. I couldn't tell him that because people would think that perhaps he was not in his right mind to receive it. But you go tell him that I told you that grace would always be there for him. I stand here today. <laughs> I've fallen sideways. My boat didn't sink. I've got in some stinks. The boat didn't sink. I've got in some situations in church. The boat didn't sink. And I believe with all my heart that this grace that's brought me safe this far is going to lead me all the way home. Say it with me. I, I love, love grace. grace. Brother Randy, if you'll help us. We're going to dedicate some children if my girls will come and help sing a little bit here today. We're going to dedicate some kids today. Somebody told me in the first service that I hadn't sung to the church in a while. Because I, every now and then I, I get the feeling to sing. So have I told you lately? that I love you have I told you there's not a church above you <laughs> you fill my heart with gladness take away all my sadness when I come to church you ease my troubles that's what you do I'm so glad I pastored you Take us home by this grace that found us a long time ago. So family.